0: Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. You're allowed to call in, ask a Bible question, make any Bible comments you like, even if you disagree with me, try to prove me wrong. If you prove me wrong, you're going to be my best friend. Pat can be wrong. The Bible is always going to be right. That's why we say we're going to listen to anything anybody has to say. The only rule is the Bible decides... What the truth is, it's going to be the thing that settles any issue or any question that's brought up. One of my recently one of my Bible study students was talking. This was a, st- a phone study, like I offer here on the, this program. He was talking about how his wife wasn't treating him right, and how he was thinking of divorcing her. And not for fornication, not that she was cheating on him, but She wasn't treating him right. He was thinking about divorcing her. Well, I explained to him that that would be a sin. For example, Matthew 5.32 says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And he said, yeah, I know that, Pat, but I can repent later. We're under grace. You see, that was his attitude. He was contemplating divorcing his wife. He knew it was going to be a sin, but he said, well, but I can repent later. We're under grace. This kind of reminds me of one of the big reasons that Martin Luther broke away from the Catholic Church a number of centuries ago. The selling of indulgences. The Catholics falsely thought that the priest had the right to absolve sin. And for a price then, the priest was willing to forgive a sin even before the sin was committed. They might say, if you pay us a certain amount of money, We will give you the right to go out and commit adultery against your wife. That's what they were saying, in effect. You pay us some money, we're going to absolve you of the sin even before you commit the sin. So it's paying money in order to have the right to commit sin. That was so objectionable to Martin Luther, and rightly so, it caused him to end up breaking from the Catholic Church. You know, I think a lot of believers today think like this. They think, well, it's okay to sin because we live under grace. It's okay to sin because I can just repent later. They don't understand the true nature of repentance. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action. I think we can see this illustrated by Matthew 21, 28 and 29, which reads, A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go... Work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented. He said, I'm not going to go work in the vineyard. But afterward, he repented and went. You see, the repentance there in the King James Version was a change of mind. And it led to a change of action. That's what repentance is. And here's another passage Passage that talks about, I want to key on this this phrase in verse 11. Such were some of you. Here's 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So twice he said these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. He gives a list of sins. And then he says in verse 11, And such were, I'm emphasizing the word were, past tense, And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So they used to be fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, drunkards, extortioners. And those kind of people will not inherit the kingdom of God. They used to be that way, but now they're washed. They're sanctified. They're justified. They've been forgiven because... They're not those things anymore. Such were, past tense, some of you. So if they were a drunkard, they had been a drunkard. When they became a Christian, they repented. Remember, Peter told believers in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So when a person is baptized, he gets the remission of all of his sins. But only if he repents first. Repentance is this change of mind that leads to a change of action. So before he's baptized, a person has to repent he changes his mind about sin. He commits to quit serving sin, Romans 6, and to start serving righteousness, to start serving Christ. Then he gets baptized. He gets all his sins forgiven. And then God expects him to follow through on that commitment to change his life. That's what we see going on in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Here's these people. As I said, maybe they were an adulterer or a fornicator, but they became a Christian. After they're a Christian, it said, such were some of you, past tense. They're not a adulterer or fornicator anymore. They quit. They quit. They repented. They got baptized. They made up their mind they're going to change their life. And they got baptized. And when they got baptized, they were washed, sanctified, and justified. But it was all conditioned upon them repenting. Such were some of you. Repentance is not something a man can do before he sins. Because if he could repent beforehand, then he wouldn't commit the sin to begin with. If he's changed his mind about committing the sin and he does that before he commits the sin, then he won't commit the sin to start with. If he commits the sin, that means, that implies he hadn't changed his mind about it. He hadn't repented. If you have a Bible question or comment, you can call us right now. The lines are wide open. The number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. And so repentance is a person is repentance is a change of mind leading to a change of action. And repentance is always necessary to receiving forgiveness. Let me quote you some verses that prove that. Here's one in the Old Testament I like. Proverbs 28:13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You know, I think a lot of people, even Christians... If you say, well, you got to repent of your sins to be forgiven, they'll say, but where does grace come in? It's like they think that repentance, if you repent, you earn your salvation, that you don't need the death of Christ, that you don't need, you don't, you earn your salvation, your forgiveness if you repent. So that the only time you need grace is when you don't repent. No, this says, if you confess and forsake your sins, you shall have mercy. So when we forsake our sins, Remember, repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Here we have it. The forsaking is that change of action. Then you're going to receive mercy. It's not that you deserve the forgiveness. No. When you repent, when you forsake your sins, you don't deserve it. You're receiving mercy. That's exactly where grace comes in. The death of Christ, the blood of Christ, washes away your sins, if and only if you're willing to repent. It's repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Not just be baptized for the remission of sins. You have to repent. Acts three nineteen, it's repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Repentance is required. Here's Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some meant count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hmm. So if you want to avoid perishing, and God is certainly saying here, He wants everybody to avoid perishing, that matter of fact. In this context, that's why he keeps putting off the second coming of Christ. When the second coming of Christ comes, everybody's fate will be sealed. So he keeps putting off the second coming of Christ, hoping that more people will repent so they can avoid perishing. You see that? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You have to repent in order to avoid perishing. Yvette from Illinois, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Yeah, hey, how you doing?
1: Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I have a question about uh you
2: make comments about adultery and um and I was I had the question of if uh my husband committed adultery and I initiated the divorce, am I committing adultery if I remarry?
0: Did you divorce him because he cheated on you? Is that the reason? Yes. Yes, yeah. then then you're then it's okay for you to remarry. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew nineteen nine, and it's pretty clear. It's not hard to understand. He said, "Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery." Now, like most passages in the Bible, the 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 instructions apply equally to male and female. The same. God is no respecter of persons. Okay. There are exceptions to that. Like. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says a woman should not speak in the church. The only the men are to do that. There are exceptions to this. But the general rule is if it, the same thing applies to men and women. The same thing applies to black and white. You see, it doesn't matter. To Jew and Gentile. It's all the same. So let's turn this around okay. from your viewpoint. It's saying if you put away your husband, except for fornication and marry another, you commit adultery. But that it implies, Yvette, that if you divorce your husband, For fornication, meaning because he cheated on you sexually, then you have the right to marry another. You are allowed to divorce him if he cheated on you for that reason and you can remarry without committing adultery. And that's clearly taught by Matthew nineteen ninety vet. Okay. Okay. I I, I will look at it even deeper. Yeah, I (laughs) want you to maybe I can maybe I can call you later, get your email address and send you some more verses. What do you think?
3: That's great. We already read
0: one. Matthew 5.32 basically said the same thing. It didn't talk about the remarriage, but it said if you divorce your spouse, saving for the cause of fornication, you cause her to commit adultery. So so you can't divorce except for adultery. And the reason is found in Romans 7, 2, and 3. I won't quote the whole thing, but it basically says the wife is bound to the husband as long as he lives. So you're bound or obligated to your husband as long as he lives. That's what you said in the marriage vows, that you would stay with him till death do us part, Right. Yes. But the one exception to that is Matthew nineteen nine. If he cheats on you, Jesus is allowing you to divorce him for that, and then you're allowed to remarry without committing adultery. Is that pretty clear, Yvette?
2: Yeah, it sounds clear enough, yes.
0: Appreciate your call. Any follow-up? Yes, and thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. You know, most people I run into, most people I study with, I would say about at least half the people I study with are in divorce situations. And most of the time they're in unscriptural marriage. They have either divorced their spouse, not for fornication, or they got put away themselves. You know, the second part of Matthew 19, 9 says, whoever marries her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. The only way you have a right to remarry is if you put away your spouse for fornication because they cheated on you. If they divorce you for whatever reason then they can't remarry. I mean, then you can't remarry if they divorce you for whatever reason. If they divorce you for for any reason other than fornication, they can't remarry. And if they divorce you for any reason, whatever the reason is, you can't remarry. And that's where most people, uh, even most believers fall in that category because most churches now, I would say about 95% of churches do not preach the truth on this any longer. They all did 100 years ago, but they've all compromised. So we're talking about repentance and how it's always necessary to receive in forgiveness. How about Acts 17, verse 30? In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. God commands everybody to repent. We said repentance is always necessary to forgiveness. In becoming a Christian, you have to repent. We've already read Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, so you got to repent to receive the remission of sins. Acts three nineteen. We have that repent, ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Those two verses are talking about what a Christian, I mean, a sinner has to do to be forgiven. You've got to repent. How about for a Christian that sins? Well, we have a case of that in Acts eight twenty two. Simon the sorcerer became a Christian. He sinned after that, and Peter told him in Acts eight twenty two. Repent, therefore, this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven. So, a Christian, he became a Christian. He's supposed to sin a lot less in the future than after, than before he became a Christian. But nobody lives perfectly. He sins after he became a Christian. Becomes a Christian, he's got to repent, according to Acts eight twenty two, to be forgiven. Pat from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, what's up, Pat? Uh, I was calling because you was talking about
3: repentance, and do you believe that? Uh, A person is saved once they choose Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that moment. That moment they choose
0: Christ as their Lord and Savior, do you believe that they are saved? As soon as they do what Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I believe they're saved. Does that answer your question? Okay. But but not at the
3: moment, because you're talking about repentance. And yes, that that comes a part of repentance, but what about uh sanctification because i don't hear you because you're going to sin as as being saved as christians we say before before we, we sin before we are saved but we also sin after we get saved but that's the whole part about sanctification justification sanctification and then ultimately glorification so what about the sanctification process when we do follow when we do
0: stumble i'm sure you don't say god please forgive me every time you commit a sin do you so Acts 8.22, which I just read, talking to a Christian who sins, Pat says, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. So a Christian who sins has to repent to be forgiven. First John 1 John 1:9 is written to the Christian. He says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So repentance is always necessary to being forgiven. When one's becoming a Christian, and when one sins after he became, becomes a Christian, Acts 8.22 proves he has to repent in order to be forgiven. Yeah, Any follow-up, Pat? Uh, yep. Yeah, no, I get exactly what you're saying. So let me just, so you said Acts 8, right? That's Acts eight twenty two, First 1 John 1, verse 9. Yep. And here's the one in the Old Testament. Here's one in the Old Testament. Course we're not under the Old Testament law anymore, but Acts eighteen twenty-one says, But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. So even under the old testament law, a person had to turn from his sins, had to repent of his sins in order to be forgiven. Luke thirteen three, Jesus said, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So no matter what situation okay. you're in. You're gonna have to repent to avoid perishing. Go ahead, Pat. So, 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 you mean to tell me? I
3: believe you think you are saved, right? Yes. Okay. So let's just say you commit a sin tonight, but you don't. But you don't. You know, ask the Lord for forgiveness. And God forbid something happened and you pass away tonight. Does that mean you're not going to heaven
0: just it's, because you didn't say God forgive me? But you already saved. Yeah, I mean, what does 1 John 1, 9 say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us for our sins. So if we don't confess our sins, we're not going to be forgiven. Acts 8, 22, also talking to the so, Christian, says, repent, so therefore, words, of this... So, th-. so in other Look, words, you are going to I mean, up. Pat, Pat, you're trying to answer... You're trying to find out the truth by, ans- by asking questions instead of looking at what the Bible says. Let mm-hmm. God... You need to... And I know you do. You need to learn to love God and trust Him and believe Acts eight twenty two and first John one nine and don't question it. Just understand you gotta confess your sins to be forgiven. You gotta repent of your sins to be forgiven. Don't question it, because that's what God said. Jeff from Colorado, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Jeff. Go ahead. Great. Uh good good
1: evening. I have actually three questions. The first one is How was there light before God created the sun and the stars? I'm I'm asking you scientific questions now based upon the Bible. How did Abraham and all these other people in the Bible live to be over 700, 700 years old when no modern man has lived past, you know, 120 normally? And lastly, how does Moses get to kill an Egyptian guard and that's it for that. It's never brought up again. It's not part of the Bible that's taught about Moses. But thou shalt well, not Well, God
0: was the light. God provided the light supernaturally or miraculously before he made the sun. I don't know exactly how those folks back then could live so long. People have scientific theories about about the different ways that the earth was different back then. But God... He has the power to make our bodies the way he wants to. And he could have made those people's bodies to where they live hundreds of years, and now our bodies are not that way. I don't really know the answer, but I know God's powerful enough to do it any way he wants to. Moses got away with killing somebody. I don't know if the Bible ever condones or condemns that. I don't know that it condones it, says that it's okay, but it might condone it because back in the Old Testament times, they were allowed to kill in warfare. <clears throat> so Moses could have been allowed to kill that Egyptian because he was mistreating an Israelite. And so they were allowed to kill in the Old Testament to defend themselves, to attack their enemies. Now, it's not true under the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, they could do that. So I could see how Moses, what he did was possibly, possibly condoned. I don't know that the Bible says that it was condoned, but I can see how it might be. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: Uh, so, no, those, I mean, they're all reasonable answers, and there's an answer for everything. A human being can find all of that. I guess where I'm coming from is what you have is this dichotomy nowadays where people believe in a God or God, however you want to look at it, and it's usually the same God, regardless of the religion, ultimately. And then you have people that say they're atheists and don't believe in anything, and so what what's really the purpose of all of this? But I think that... You know, if you read a children's Bible, the very first page defines what God is, and God is love. And we're, we have all of that on us now for people to promote love and love one another. And to me, that's really where God is, and then the scientific questions and answers are, are really based upon science. We are all... Jeff,
0: I'm going to have to let you God. go. I've got other callers. Thank you for your call. So when the Bible says God is love, it's not saying that love is God. And I don't even know if Jeff meant that. It's just saying God is the epitome of love. Just like when it says God is just, that doesn't mean justice is God. It means God is very just. He's the ultimate in being just. When it says God is love, it's not saying love is our God and that we should worship love. It's just saying God is the epitome of love. He's the ultimate in love. He loves people more than anybody has ever loved anybody. So we don't We don't want to come to a, a wrong understanding there. Joanna from Oklahoma, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
2: I have a just kind of question and comment also. Um, there's a lot of um, a feed going on in Facebook about the Asbury revival, and I kind of wanted to get a feedback about it. I've watched some of the live stream on it, and, you know, some of it really seems genuine, and, you know, some of it, you know, kind of has, you know, um, some questionable things about it, but I, I kind
0: of want to get a. And
2: it's not a conversation that I've had openly with anyone, but I kind of want to get some feedback
0: a little well, bit about uh, it. Well, let me ask you. I read about that just briefly about a few days ago. I read about over the internet about three or four minutes. Let me ask you: Are they allowing women to speak to the audiences there?
2: I believe that I did see a lady get up on the platform yeah. and, and talk about some things, and said that it was a house of prayer. I don't. That's I what, that's what really I thought. Understand. That's what I thought.
0: So so this is just one symptom of what I want to get at. There's probably a lot of other problems. But Joanna, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted to them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. And then 1 Timothy 1, verse 2, excuse me, 1 Timothy two verses eleven and twelve. I don't know how I came up with that other text, Joanna. First Timothy two, eleven and twelve says, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. That the 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 quote revival going on in Asbury, what makes anybody think that they're they're preaching the truth? I, I when I look at it, uh, Well, they I haven't did,
2: seen any I haven't seen any preaching per se. Just, you know, maybe some house of prayer rules. Um, It's a lot of music and, and, you know, gospel singing and rejoicing and worshiping the Lord. Um, Yeah. It's just, you know, when I say questionable, I just mean, um, you know, people come in and, you know, they, you know, it's just, I don't want to be judgmental about it. I
0: just want to, you know, kind of absorb what, you know, the general feel is. About this Look, revival. I'm I'm about to have to go off there. Let me call you later about it and let's talk about it. But I don't think there's any truth going on there. I don't think that what they're doing is not related to God. It's all just made up stuff. People can make up mm-hmm. and get emotional about things and not, and not do it according to God's word. Matter of fact, that happens more times than not. And I don't have any evidence that they're following God's word at all. They're just getting on a bunch of emotion about what they like without consulting God's word. They're having women speakers up there, obviously, they're, and allowing them to teach over the men. Then they're violating 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. They're not following the Bible, so it has nothing to do with God. It's just a bunch of people getting to an emotional high. We're going to have to go off the air. We appreciate everybody's calls and you're listening. One more verse on repentance, Acts eleven eighteen. 18. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. So you have to repent. To receive life. You have to repent to receive life. There's no way around it. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You have to repent to receive forgiveness of your sins. Period. No matter what station of life you're in. If you'd like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study at your convenience. Call or text me at 256-682-9753. Appreciate you listening tonight. I want to invite you to listen every week at this same time. And if you have a Bible question, maybe you could write it down and ask it next time.